Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Millionaire Muslim Podcast. You have Ibrahim Khan here. And with me, we have the extremely erudite and non-coughing Mohsin Patel. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. It felt like we were just waiting for someone to say, Walaikum as salam there. Sadly, <laughs> we're awkward. not. Sadly, in these um, coronavirus times, we're talking to an empty audience, aren't we? Everyone's self-isolating. Yeah. My mum's uh, feeling quite disappointed because she's one of those people who would wake us up in the middle of the night for fajr as kids and actually still does so like when when i'm at her place i don't actually set my alarm because i know like on the dot at 5 a.m when the salah time is like you know the jama'ah is like 5 30 she'll be like hammering away at 5 a.m so Mashallah. so she's like i bet you guys are loving it now because you actually have an excuse for the first time in your life don't <laughs> <laughs> do salah in the masjid <laughs> and sad we're like, times, no, no, it? no. it's sad times I was watching the haram before, you know, when it was Jumai in Saudi. And yeah. uh, it's quite harrowing looking at an empty haram. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about then today, Mohsin, um, I've got a list of four things I think we should touch on. The first is NHS wills that we're going to be launching. Well, I think we've launched today. And today is the 20th of March. Then secondly, we'll talk a lot about coronavirus-specific personal finance things that people are going to be worried about. And it's really important to just talk you through that and you know what the situation is and you know what you should be looking out for. Then thirdly, we'll talk about panic buying, hoarding, hiking up prices and just like Islamic teachings around that. Um, top tip, it's not uh, something that's looked upon favorably. Unsurprising. Get, yeah, you don't get brownie points, hasanat for that. There isn't a section in the Quran that says, you know, all those who go to uh, Asda and wipe out the tin section from the Muflihin, abada, is not something that happens for people who are wiping out the tin section. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that they are going to, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> passing a ver- verdict on them. Let's be clear, but, you know, instinctively. It's not a virtuous act. Yeah. Quite the opposite. And then then finally, Masajid, how they have been uh, closed down and what we feel about that. So should we dive in? Let's dive in. So how are you feeling generally about the whole situation? Like what your personal reflections on the whole thing, Ibrahim? So I'm actually very, very positive as a person generally. And this rankles with many people around me who are any less, (laughs) slightly less positive than me. Um, I actually think the game of life and the game of business has not changed. The game of life and the game of business has the same end outcome that we're trying to optimize, and that's getting to Jannah. And 
all that we are presented with, all the data, the situation, the contexts, um, whatever obstacles or you know better, good things are presented before us, they are all to be optimized in order to get to Jannah. Sulaiman when he was presented with the throne of Queen Sheba in front of him in the blink of an eye, you know, when he saw it in front of him, immediately he said that this is from the bounty of my Lord to test me if I am thankful or if I am disbelieving or if I am ungrateful. So it's, there's this contrast between shukr and kufr there. And so the, the point I'm making is in the game of life, we need to get to Jannah. And in the game of business, we need to get to Jannah via adding value to the world and, you know, making money in a halal way. And coronavirus is just a change of the cards that have been laid in front of us that we have to, or the dominoes that have been laid in front of us that we have to configure in order to get a path to Jannah. So I'm fairly optimistic. All it's done is just, it slightly changed the rules of the game a bit, slightly changed the cards around, but high level. Life is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, the affairs of a believer are incredibly beautiful to paraphrase a hadith. You know, if there's a hardship and we are patient, we get rewarded for it. And if there is blessing and we're thankful for it, we get rewarded for it. So all that's happened is it's just a particular hardship that's come along. So we just got to crack on. Extremely philosophical views. I think my views are, it's, I think about once a day at the moment, I just step back and think, oh my God, what is happening? It's, um, <laughs> I just think that um, it's like, uh, I, I was reading something the other day that I think there's like some old Chinese or Japanese proverb may you live in interesting times and it's actually a curse like you don't want to be living in interesting times you want to be living in really boring times and i read <laughs> i read a very funny tweet when this was all kicking off uh well when it started kicking off of uh three really simple words i miss brexit and uh i do <laughs> so yeah oh, that was it's, a... uh, subhanallah it's crazy times but like you say we've just got to play the cards that we're dealt and try to keep doing what we are ultimately here to do, which is to, you know, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praise and please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, with that in mind, there's a tremendous effort, both in this country and globally. And I think, you know, if there is a silver lining out of all of this, then I think it's the fact that we've seen people have been humbled by the you know what's going on i think it's something that really has affected people in like such a base way you know you can't leave your home you can't travel you can't do this and you can't do that and for all of our advancements there's this you know as donald trump put it this invisible enemy that is restricting us and shackling us but it is really really positive and encouraging to see the community come together and lots of people coming together and companies doing lots of good things and we thought we needed to do something as well in whatever small way that we could and that's why today on the 20th of march we've opened up our wills service to nhs workers and the reason we've done that is because all of this, you know, this pandemic has basically been a time for a lot of reflection for a lot of people. And a lot of people are looking to get their house in order, basically, not in a morbid way, but more because this event has brought us back to reality in more ways than one. And as a result of that, we've seen through our own IFG will service that some of you listeners may know about, we've seen a spike in that quite naturally because people, 
you know, like you, Ibrahim, are becoming more philosophical. And um, <laughs> what that means is you start thinking about protection and protecting yourself and your loved ones, and you start thinking about all that kind of thing. And so what we've done is we've opened up our will service to any NHS worker and we're doing it on a pay what you like basis. And we're doing that, you know, as basically a thank you to them and as a, a tip of the hat to them for their frontline service. So inshallah, I'm hoping that people do avail of it. It's a service that we're trying to give and trying to help in whatever little way that we can. So inshallah, people will benefit from it. So the website is wills.islamicfinanceguru.com forward slash NHS. And um, I mean, as someone whose wife works in the NHS, she's a GP, my dad is a doctor, my mom's a doctor, my uncle's a doctor, my brother-in-law's a doctor, my cousins are doctors. There's like, we're, I'm just surrounded basically by people. I think I'm basically in, destined to get coronavirus, if I think about it that way, because these guys are taking one for the team, aren't they? They're just, they're out there. And what happens if you get coronavirus and it's a bad one? Uh, you go into hospital and uh, there you're going to come across the NHS doctors, nurses, medical staff. And so, yeah, I feel for these guys. They they often, you know, because of the fast moving nature of this, they're often not adequately prepared or adequately protected even. And they're still going above and beyond to do stuff. I mean, my cousin, he was doing his PhD. He's actually suspended that. And I know he spent years and a lot of hard work, you know, doing his trials and uh, doing all these kind of lab experiments that last days on end. So he's suspended all that and he's actually gone back into the NHS full time wow. because of the severity of it, uh, just to help out. So Yeah, no, it is honestly amazing some of the things that we're seeing and, you know, inshallah, this really small way, inshallah, that we can help, you know, we're, we're more than happy to do that. So number two, uh, we have uh, set up a coronavirus specific page. So islamicfinanceguru.com forward slash coronavirus. Um, and on there, you will find, if you go on there, you're going to get a whole bunch of resources. I was going to say you're going to get infected. Um, I know that we're not supposed to make jokes about this stuff. So um, I shall make that meta joke and move on. So yeah, if you go onto the coronavirus page, you shall find a whole bunch of articles that we've done about, um, you know, Islamic advices that we heard from Sheikh Abu Isa, which were really sensible, um, coronavirus and its effects on the stock market, what the Chancellor's 350 billion package means for Muslim businesses, and a fatwa in relation to that, that means that really struggling Muslim businesses can actually avail of that loan that the government is offering. So do check those out. I've done a khutbah on the coronavirus, how Muslims should approach the coronavirus. This was done actually many, a few months ago, right at the start, first week of the outbreak in China. And, you know, listening back to it, obviously, I think it is, it is still very relevant. Uh, but I think, you know, even at the time, we th none of us thought that it would become this massive. We thought it might be like, you know, the SARS epidemic or some one of those kind of the bird flu or something, which is in a distant country and never going to come to the UK. But here we are today uh, with hundreds of people dead, uh, tens of thousands of people, I think now globally who've died and things are continuing to look pretty bleak. But yeah, on the personal finance stuff specifically, guys, so for Muslim business, you, you know, Rishi Sunak, the chancellor, has announced a 350 billion pound stimulus package. To give the context of that, that's 15% of the UK GDP. And to give context to that, that's 15 times the amount that he had announced in 
his very generous budget just a week ago. So the budget was only 1% of the GDP as a stimulus. And that was seen as, you know, unprecedented stuff, especially from the Tories. And then that's 15 times that is the response for coronavirus. And they've said that they'll go much, much further and do whatever it takes. So that's all positive stuff, specifically for Muslim businesses, because I know a lot of Muslim businesses have been affected in the travel sector, in restaurants and takeaways, you know, news agents, retail businesses, Islamic shops, etc. For these sectors, the government has announced two important schemes. One is for SME finance. Uh, you can take advantage of the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme. That's going to shortly be ramped up and uh, you can go onto our website and you'll find the link. And there's a whole bunch of I think it's 40 odd lenders across the UK who you are par- partners with the British Business Bank which is rolling out the scheme um, basically just talk to your main l- lender in your area like your main bank like a Barclays or someone and they'll probably be able to sort you out and they offer loans from a thousand pounds to up to five million pounds to smaller me- medium-sized businesses um, you also get a one-year holiday from paying business rates which is like the rent that businesses have to pay on premises. And then if you're really struggling in these sectors, in the particularly hit sectors like, you know, theatres, cinemas, takeaways, restaurants, etc., then you get a 25,000 grant as well from the government. And if you're a small business in this space, then you get a 10,000 grant. So there is money available out there. The government is also saying that if any of your employees go on sick leave, then you get paid two weeks of that sick leave um, in compensation. The sick leave that you have to pay them, the government essentially is going to pay you that back so that you don't get affected by that stuff. And there is a big package currently in the works with a whole bunch of big employers along the lines of the government basically saying that they will take up and guarantee a percentage of every person's salary in the UK along the lines of what Denmark has done. I mean, that's not confirmed yet, but I think that's going to be announced quite shortly uh, because obviously schools have now shut down. So a lot of people will be working from home. And so demand will naturally decrease a bit. And then when demand decreases, businesses look to lay off people. But the government is trying hard to stop that. I'm confident that they'll be able to deliver stuff that will be helpful in that regard. Other personal finance stuff is mortgages, three-month holiday if you're struggling. If you're renting, the government is bringing forward laws that protect you from being turfed out because, you know, you're struggling due to coronavirus. So that's also welcome stuff. If you're working from home and looking after your kids, then you get paid leave if you need it. And then, of course, if that runs out, you have to unfortunately have unpaid leave at this point. There, I am hopeful that the government will be providing some kind of support in this regard. And also, I think employers are fairly flexible with because they're all in the same boat as well. So I expect there to be a lot more understanding of you kind of working from home, but a lot less capacity and with kids and stuff. So I think there's going to be some support around all that stuff. I'm conscious that I've just spewed out a whole load of knowledge that I've been spewing out for the last few days. Any other things that I might have missed, Mohsin? I don't think so. I mean, everything is on the website and there's a lot of information available generally online. I mean, my personal view is, you know, the announcements were welcome, but I think the government does need to go a lot further. Just giving low-cost loans to businesses, in my opinion, isn't good enough because at the end of the day, businesses do need to pay that back and that is potentially crippling. Like It might mean that the this government 
is allowed to say that we helped X many businesses stay in business. But if that's just a liability for that business going forward, i.e. they're going to have to repay that £50,000 loan that they took out, that means that they go bankrupt in 2022 rather than 2020, then are we really any better off? So I think the government does need to go a lot further. I think the the other thing that I would add is that this epidemic is going to affect people probably in more ways than we can imagine and probably in more ways than the government can imagine. And I think that one of the things that should happen, maybe post-fact or maybe they should announce it soon, is I think that every household should just get a payment of a few thousand pounds because... Helicopter money. (laughs) Literally, yeah. Because it affects people in in a lot of ways. I mean, even on the business side, all those things, like the low-cost loans, I've discussed the problem with that, i.e. that it's a loan. But even with that, for example, like my wife's got a couple of businesses that have been heavily affected. Like there are literally no orders for her business because one of the businesses relies on people holding events and of course nobody's holding events so for the past week they've literally been zero orders that means that she's unable to take an income that affects you know my household for a start but yeah it's not a business that has a physical presence it's all online Mm -hmm. so you know what's going to happen with that for example so there'll be people there'll be listeners who have been affected in ways that we haven't necessarily thought about. So I think there's a lot more to be done. There has to be a lot more to be done. Since its launch, tens of thousands of Muslims have given zakat through NZF. We're the only platform with a national reach enabling you to give zakat to those who need it here. Across the country, Muslims are in need. Your zakat has the potential to change their lives. Just go to www.nzf.org.uk to calculate your zakat. Choose how it's used and keep updated about the impact it's having on the lives of Muslims where you live. NZF. Give zakat here. No, I I agree with that. One other really important thing actually that I should have mentioned is that, as I said, we talked to Mufti Faraz, Adam, Mufti Bilal, Umarji, who are very well respected muftis uh, with expertise in Islamic finance. And we have put their fatwa on the website as well. Uh, you'll find it on that coronavirus page under the article that about 350 billion that the chancellor has put out. In this fatwa, they basically lay out some requirements and key kind of criteria for struggling Muslim businesses that can actually avail of this ultimately haram loan that the government is offering. And uh, I mean, in the background, we are working on multiple lines to talk to the British Business Bank to get them to offer a Sharia compliant version of this. But obviously, they're massively understaffed for the complete avalanche of stuff that's going on right now. So I'm not very optimistic that we'll get anywhere on this, given that, you know, Muslim businesses are a very, very small fraction of of the UK business community as a whole. But what I'm saying is that even if we don't succeed, we actually have got that fatwa, which I think is crucial for Muslim businesses to avail of if they are in that position where if they don't take that loan, they will collapse, they will have to go on unemployment benefits, their staff will suffer as well, and it'll put them into economic hardship. If that's your situation, then check out the fatwa, make sure you fit all the criteria and go ahead and take that loan because in times of hardship, the prohibitions um, are relaxed. Uh, Islam is not a draconian religion. Fantastic. I mean, we've talked a lot about businesses and all that kind of stuff, but let's move on to more of the kind of personal situation. 
And one of the things that I'm struggling with is actually just getting hold of stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I think probably all of you have experienced all the supermarkets being completely wiped out. So what what does Islam have to say about all of this? So Islam has a lot to say, interestingly, about this stuff. So the Prophet Sallam, uh, you know, panic buying. What is panic buying? People get panicked, they go out to the shops, they buy uh, stuff much more than there is a requirement for them to buy. Um, and then they hoard it up. Uh, and then, you know, these hadith, Prophet Sallam says, no one hoards but a sinner. Uh, do not hoard, otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will withhold from you. Yahya related to me from Malik that he heard that Uthman ibn Affan forbade hoarding. And then in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Umar ibn Khattab said, There is no hoarding in our market, and men who have access gold in their hands should not buy up one of Allah's provisions which he has sent to our courtyard and then hoard it up against us. So there's a whole range of things, uh, a whole range of ahadith and sayings. Uh, very strongly against this stuff and i think that you know just taking a step back islam is quite an intuitive religion as well like it kind of makes sense if your actions are basically just massively disrupting the food supply in that area so that people can't actually buy food and they're going to go hungry for a day or two as a result of that especially babies who might only eat one type of food which if it's wiped out it's wiped out it's obvious that you're causing hardship to people. And Islam does not say cause hardship for people. Islam says make ease for people. So uh, even t- putting aside all the hadith, just we should use our common sense that people who are hoarding are being incredibly selfish. Um, they're being very irrational as well, given that there is no danger to our food supply. And their actions are just exacerbating a bad situation and just making it even worse like we this is an avoidable problem coronavirus is not avoidable in that we can't really uh, if we knew how to solve it we'd solve it but with the food stuff is literally caused by human beings mm. and our bad decisions so my personal uh, view by the way is that there should have been intervention a lot earlier on the whole supermarket thing like only in the last couple of days or so have we seen limits being imposed in terms of the numbers of things that people can buy i think that should have come in a lot earlier in order yeah. to prevent exactly this situation i think people were kind of you know companies and i think to an extent the government were in a kind of tricky place in that they didn't want to panic people with their policies and actions but i think the greater good was actually in just taking decisive action from the start. And yeah, like, I mean, really simple example. I'm struck. I can't get hold of Weetabix right now. And my eldest, he only eats Weetabix for breakfast. So tomorrow he's going to struggle because we've run out. So, <laughs> well, I have slightly less sympathy for your son. Uh, which one is it? Usaid. Usaid, yeah. So I'm of the school of thought that if they don't eat, then they go hungry until they actually eat. But yeah, I also know that, that would be okay if I wasn't in the house to have to put up with all your screaming. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And I, I also, I'm talking a big game, but actually, when my son starts screaming, I'm like, you know, here you go, just have some chocolate or whatever it is you want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's the kind of situation on on hoarding and all that kind of stuff. And I guess the other big thing affecting people's lives is, you know, what do you do about 
things like traveling and important meetings or uh, even going to the masjid, for example. Mm. And I think generally speaking in this country, people are now coming to the view that they should stay at home. Um, there's obviously been some policy decisions in the sense that the, some tube stations have been closed down. Um, there isn't any formal lockdown in this country yet, but I think people are on semi-lockdown themselves, which yeah. is probably what the government actually wanted. Yeah. And yeah. there's a good article on this. In If you just Google nudge theory, there was a good article in The Guardian about this government's approach to nudge theory, uh, which is essentially the concept of not telling people what to do, but kind of guiding them towards certain behaviours. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what I think about it personally, but we are where we are. So we are where we are. And then masjid is an interesting one. What are your thoughts on the whole... Like, have you been going to the Masjid Ibrahim or like, what do you think? I haven't been going to the Masjid because initially my view was, I think we've kind of uh, gone up and down in the intensity of our views. So like, <laughs> Mohsin, you were very militant about this early on. You're like, this is a much bigger thing than we think. And mm. uh, and the government's being too slow. Who You know, Masajid are being too slow. We should just shut the whole thing down. And at mm. that point, I was quite chilled out. I was like, you know, it's fine. You know, we just follow what the government says. And mm. then the government's escalated its stuff as well. I've basically just followed the government. <laughs> because I, I just want to be led by a man with a blonde bombshell on his head. That's it. Side note, I don't like the Tories. And I, I never will, I don't think. Unless they become much more like Labour. And uh, but anyway, that's a side point. Yeah, so I think we've kind of gone up and down. But right now, my view is that any masajid that are open now, um, particularly for sal- salawat like Jum'ah, particularly for optional events, they are just being irresponsible. It's disgraceful what they're doing, especially given that there's been reports in The Independent that 25% of the people who've dived, dived due to the coronavirus are Muslims, elderly Muslims. And given the population of the Muslim community in the UK is about 5%, we are, what is it, four, five hundred times more represented, overrepresented uh, relative to our population size, which means that we are particularly at risk and the elderly in our community are particularly at risk. And where do they all hang out? They hang out in the masjid. So the fact that any masjid, and I've heard unconfirmed reports that masjid in Leicester and Preston and other places are still open, I think it's Preston's closed. Preston's oh, closed down. Yeah. So as of Bolton, Bolton heard yesterday, the nineteenth of March, that Preston had closed all their masajid. Um, as of today, the twentieth, I know. I mean, I'm in Bolton. All the masajid here are. I've heard of one masjid in Bolton that will be closing after Jumar today. Um, everybody else is remaining open. They have got things in place, like you know, they're giving guidelines, like we're going to shorten. We are encouraging people not to gather outside. You shouldn't shake hands, etc., etc. But I'm with you on this, Ibrahim. I think that it's frankly disgraceful that yep. the A, that the masajid are still open, uh, most masajid are still open. But B, as you know, I think that my view is that we, uh, you know, as a Muslim community, we should have been cognizant of the fact that. Masajid are 
well, there are two things. One is there are places where a lot of elderly people hang out. And B, they are melting pots of you know very, very different types of people who come from you know very, very different parts of the town, the country, etc. And with that knowledge in mind, and also knowing that the mentality, you know, most Muslims in this country are ethnic, and me and you are ethnic, and we know that the mentality of our elder people is that oh, you know, we should go to the masjid. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to change that. But what we can do is force behavior by closing the masjid. And in my view, closing of the masjid should have been done at least at least one week ago, um, i.e. You know, at least on the 13th of March, well, well before the government escalated its own view because masajid are very, very, very different to the rest of the country. So I think it's a real shame that we didn't have any real leadership on and anybody really standing up uh, on the issue. Because I think that if that had happened early doors, I think a lot of masajid around the country would have followed. Mm, I hear you. I think I'm completely in the same boat now. I think I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger as early as the 13th. But yeah, I mean, any masajid that are open right now, it's just, you know, what are you playing at, honestly? On a brighter note, we all have lots of spare time, hopefully, um, with the various hordes of uh, tin tuna that we've collected from various different supermarkets. So we should spend that time doing dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just kind of realigning ourselves spending time with our families and also learn something new um, you know add value to yourself by learning coding or jujitsu or I don't, I don't know whatever whatever you want to learn but you know don't just while away time on netflix or youtube or something uh, unless it of course you are watching islamic finance guru's youtube channel in which case you know, obviously that's you adding value to yourself. So knock yourself out. Absolutely. Oh, and Mohsin, by the way, watch the YouTube channel because Mohsin has been coming out with some absolute pearls of wisdom on Have the I? YouTube stuff. Yeah. So everyone else has been panicking madly about coronavirus. And then Mohsin comes out with his insight, which is that at the end of coronavirus, and we're all trying to calm people down. And Mohsin's like, well, look, uh, once the lockdown lifted in China, the first thing a whole bunch of people did was uh, file for divorce. So <laughs> I reckon there's going to be a massive spike in divorce rates across the UK in the next few weeks yeah. and months. And probably um, a spike in birth rates as well in nine or ten months' time. Oh yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Well, also, apparently, someone was saying there's been a spike in suicide rates as well. Really? Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, don't don't let people just twiddle their thumbs because it's it's a recipe for all sorts of dodgy stuff to happen. And in all three circumstances, the well, in two of those, actually, no, in one of those circumstances, the birth rates, the NHS is going to, you know, they're trying to flatten the curve, but they're going to get a peak in in about winter time, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Lots of babies. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Mohsin. Um, As always. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.